This is Over the Line, broadcasting live from the Lyuna Studios. You're worth so much more on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Hi, Milwaukee. I'm Yanis Adetokumbo. Can you say my name? I think we can. The Greek Freak. Man, did this guy pay dividends for the Milwaukee Bucks when they drafted him a long time, seemingly a long time ago. Not many people cared for the pick. I don't think a single person liked the pick. So I can't even say this guy's name. Now you get an NBA championship, and now 64 points, another accolade for Giannis Dendekumbo, a franchise record breaking Michael Red 61 as the Bucks best the Pacers last night. A scuffle ensues. We'll talk about that coming up. But Rowdy Giannis gets it done. 64 points. Also, uh, let's see here, David Robinson. So th- this is the most by a non-guard since David Robinson, and uh, who had 71 in 1994, and the most ever without hitting a single three-pointer since the line was added in 1979. The Greek freak. Yeah. Yeah, he also added 14 rebounds, a few assists, and some steals there, but... How about 32 free throw attempts? <laughs> 32 free throw attempts. Giannis was everywhere on the stat sheet. The dude was... Um... <laughs> I think the 32 free throw attempts makes up for not making a three-pointer. Uh, yeah, I think you're right. And he, out of those 32, he hit 24 of them. Uh, that, hey, that's not bad for Giannis and Nakumbo. 24 out of 32? We'll take that from the Greek freak. 64 points, and it was against the Pacers who had bested the Bucks both times this year. Now uh, the Bucks get a little revenge. There was some saltiness after the game, um, a lot of drama unfolding. Uh, but during the game, near the end of it, uh, Giannis Adenokounmpo got a it was a somewhat of a hard foul. You can go find the highlights if you want. And then who tried to run off the bench to go and protect his star player, his big brother, uh, no, younger brother, Giannis Adendik, or Thanasis Adendikumbo, went out there to try to fight. Jay Crowder was the hold-me-back guy for Thanasis near the end of the game. I did enjoy when I woke up this morning and saw that uh, the king tagged this in yes. a little NBA meme yes. that said, you know, last night Thanasis and Giannis combined for 64. <laughs> it was it was beautiful, King. I I woke up to that. Is that what you woke up to? Yeah. Yeah. I woke up to that, Kinger. It was, uh, it made me chuckle right away to start my morning. Uh, well done. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Thanasis is older. That's what I thought. So, yeah. Giannis, um, absolutely incredible. Michael Red was uh, it for the longest time, the franchise record. Uh, Red carried that 60, uh, 60. Well, no, what did he have? Michael Red had, uh, sorry, 57. Excuse me. Uh, Giannis previous was 55. Brandon Jennings, the young buck, also tied at 55. And Besting, also tied for third at 55. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Giannis and Nakumbo. Rowdy, is it safe to say that Giannis... It, ooh, might ruffle some feathers here. Does he Is he more important to the Bucks now than Kareem was back then? Is Giannis the franchise well, the franchise I mean, player? I might be a bit biased, you know, coming from so somebody same. that's basically watched the Bucks since 2000, but... Um, I never watched Kareem. I will say that his is more impressive than all of them. You mentioned because he didn't even hit a single three-point shot. Yeah. I know from watching Brandon Jennings that there had to be a, you know, a number of threes made and of course Michael Red had to have hit a number of threes dropping his 57. But uh Giannis and Kareem did it without a th- well, 
I shouldn't say without a three-point line. Kareem did it without a three-point line. Uh, Giannis did it without hitting a three, <laughs> but he scored more points. He's number one. He's in the 60s. He's at 64. And um, and yes, I think uh, I think the tail's a little better now. I think just in general, I get that uh, the Bucks won a championship with Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, and I get what Oscar Robinson was on that team. I don't know. I think uh, Giannis is the most important player in Bucks history. You think about the fact that he brought a title back. In 50 years, uh-huh. they've been competitive and will be competitive for a, a title for probably about a 10-year span for his entire tenure with the Bucks. And going one further, think about all the sales and advertisements that he's created oh, yeah. from overseas. Even before the they won their championship, uh, the Bucks were getting uh, it was either half or a little over half of their uh, revenue coming in from overseas because of Giannis Antetokounmpo. Yeah, like I think he's probably because of that, the fact that he did win a title, and, and the fact that the Bucks are going to be a competitive, exciting product for like a decade. Mm-hmm. I think it's Giannis, like. Kareem. No, Kareem obviously has six NBA championships, but but he left. He left, he for, left the Lakers. for the Lakers. Yeah, and he he played much longer after he left. Y- yes, uh, big time. Now uh, let's see here. Obviously, Giannis still has a lot of years under his belt. Kareem had what uh, twenty seasons? Uh, playoffs played was eighteen for Kareem. Giannis is eight All Star games, which nineteen for Kareem, seven for Giannis. Uh, MVPs, Kareem's got six. Giannis, all these with the most majority of the Lakers, though. Well, if you think about it, Giannis's Giannis's Bucks have basically been very competitive since that 2018-19 season against the Raptors. Yeah. Well, he was 24, 25 years old there. If he stays in Milwaukee for basically his career, there's going to be ten years, ten years of them being year in and year out. NBA championship contenders. Yeah. And they've already won one. And um listen, they brought in Lillard and the, they, uh, they revamped a little bit here. The style of play, or I'd say the talent on the court is a little different than uh when Kareem was doing his thing. I will say, Rowdy, that um what was the what's the knock even on Michael Jordan um that people want to say? That he played against uh plumbers, electricians, some handymen. Think of, think of go back to you when Kareem was playing. Uh, we had the talent drop off. Kareem was like a, a trailblazer just because of his height and uh, his style of play, right? Now you look at Giannis. Everyone who's lurking around Giannis is like almost as tall, if not taller than him. It's a, a little different out there. Well, I also think it, it probably depends on how old you are, yeah, like when you grew up. Sure. Because if you're older, where you grew up and Kareem Abdul-Jabbar was a buck, you probably have different thoughts on that. For sure. But from somebody, again, that Seems has like watched us. Bucks basketball since 2000, I think of Kareem Abdul-Jabbar as a Laker. The same. So do I. And, yeah, and I know some of the older cats are probably like, oh, my God, Kareem, that's, you know, that's, he's my buck. That's my guy. I know what Izzy, we had this conversation before, and one of our great callers, Izzy, had called in and said, don't, you, don't talk crap about Kareem like that. He's like, I watched him play. Uh, I'm sure Pete from Renona, if you want to chime in, I'm, I think Pete's got some Kareem stories. Then watch him. I'm not old enough. Even Rowdy, it's like LeBron James versus Michael Jordan. I grew up watching Michael Jordan, uh, watching LeBron James in that style of NBA now. I mean, I say Michael Jordan's the GOAT. Now, people that grew up watching LeBron James are probably like, no, LeBron James is the GOAT. Michael Jordan played against milkmen and, you know, plumbers. I mean, that's just not true. No, I mean, not. look at look at the dream team. Well, I know it's not, but that's, you know, that's a sentiment online. But yeah, Giannis Dendekumbo, 
It's all important for the Bucks from Kareem to Giannis. Last night was nothing short of uh, spectacular, though. The Greek freak, absolutely incredible, as he gets 64 points, a franchise record for the Milwaukee Bucks. And then, and th- well, actually, I'm going to play some. Uh, let me play. Let me play Lillard quick here. Damian Lillard after the game. We'll play a little from Giannis as well, talking about how special it was uh, last night at Pfizer. Um, I mean, anytime you can score that many points in an NBA game. Um, it's, it's special, and uh, it's one thing for, you know, there's guys that come along that randomly go out there and score 50, and then there's guys who the other team is trying to stop, you know, and they game plan for you, and they, they're they there the whole time. <clears throat> so I think that makes it more impressive, um, just how he was just going and going and going and going. Um, so it was, it was special to watch. You know, it's a lot of times that I've been in that situation, and I think this was the first time where I was like, man, you just you just don't want to get in the way. You know, you want to see him just keep going and keep going because it's, it's fun to watch, but it's also just like good possessions for us. You know, when you get in a game like this, you're like, man, we it's looking like he's just going to score every time. And, um, you know, he made a significant amount of free throws too. So it was, <laughs> it was just fun to watch. I think any time a great player gets in a – um, that type of flow and is going like that. You got to allow them to keep going and try to contribute to it and also, you know, appreciate it, you know, when you're there to, to be a part of it and to witness it. You think Dame's like, dude, I scored 71 one time. You ain't got nothing on me, honest. Well, I don't want to say like this team all of a sudden has fixed all of its problems when clearly they're still trying to mesh and figure exactly, you know, what everybody's role is yeah. with kind of the revamped roster. But doesn't it feel like maybe there's a little bit of of signs of growth there where Damian Lillard, who's known as being the guy, has made comments in the past about, you know, Giannis knows that he was the guy and this was his team. I and poor, you know, I in Portland also had to know that it was my team and I was going to score and we just need to figure out how to play together. Those comments right there, he just said. You know, it was kind of just like step back. It looks like he's going to score every single time. Maybe that's a little bit of a step in the growth of the, you know, one and two or, a, you know, one A, one B, because Damian Lillard's like, oh, man, I realized this guy was absolutely unstoppable. I had to take a step back and just let him go to work. Yeah. And Damian Lillard's also one scored 71 points um, against the Houston Rockets. And it's not like Damian Lillard didn't score. He still had no, 21. Yeah, he still got his. But he only took half the shots Giannis did. <laughs> yeah. And then also, oh, excuse me. Um, you know. <laughs> how, how weird is the statistic, though, where Giannis had 28 shots, Damian Lillard had 14. The only other guys that had double-digit shots, Chris Middleton, I mean, Mistleton, <laughs> and Bobby Portis. <laughs> and then there's after the game. Where this is where um, maybe a new rivalry is starting to grow as the drama extended past the final whistle. The Indiana Pacers grabbed what Giannis believed to be was the, the game ball. So Giannis wanted the game ball. I don't blame him. You just set a franchise record for the team you played for. I'd also want the game ball. So the Pacers, uh, this is what they decided to do. I, Oscar Tashibwe. Am I saying that right? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, so I, I thought uh, Oscar Tashibwe, a rookie, he scored his first point points in an NBA game on a free throw with two minutes and forty two seconds left. The Indiana Pacers thought that they had the right to grab that ball, which by the way was in Milwaukee, 
to grab the ball and give it to a rookie, a rookie who scored some free throws at the end of the game. Oh, free throw. Sorry, yeah, one point. <laughs> he was one for two from the line. Scored one point. They grabbed that ball, took it into the locker room. Giannis said, no, 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 no. The, I, I said a franchise record. Giannis went to go find them. A scuffle ensued in the hallway where there a lot of words were exchanged. Giannis, be, Giannis was given a ball. Uh, he does not believe it was the actual game ball, though. Uh, we'll get to his comments. Uh, Indiana coach Rick Carlisle said there was a scuffle with the Bucks player in the hallway. I saw the video, too. And their GM, Chad Buchanan, got elbowed in the ribs. <laughs> Giannis Dendekuma's got every right to that ball. He uh, had some short but contentious conversations with Indiana staff member and uh, Hal Burton before finally, you know, leaving. But Giannis afterwards said he doesn't even think he has the ball. Uh, he's pissed off about it. And the Pacers starting a new rivalry, trying to give it to a rookie who scored a free throw. Yeah, here, here's <laughs> wow. Here's some of the box scores from last night's game. Giannis, 37 minutes, 20 of 28 from the floor, 0 for 3 from 3, 24 of 32 from the free throw line. He scored 64 points. He had 14 rebounds, 3 assists, 4 steals, and a block. Oscar Tashibwe's, 6 minutes, 0 for 1 from the floor, 1 for 2 from free throw line, 1 rebound, 1 foul, Finished with one point. But he deserves the game ball <laughs> in the eyes of the Indiana Pacers. His, his first point. <laughs> Un- how absolutely about, hilarious. How about, how about they wait and they'll give Ostrich Kashibwe his first basketball when he makes a, I don't know, maybe a shot from the floor. Yeah. Uh, agreed, Rowdy. Nope, he, he got a free throw. Now, he bricked one of them, but he got a free throw. We need that ball. I know Giannis scored 64, but this guy, this rookie, who no one will ever hear from again probably, he got a point. Yeah. Giannis had 63 more points. Uh, Giannis had, uh, let's see here, 13 more rebounds. Giannis had three more assists, four more steals, a block. Yeah, and pretty, pretty uh, tw- much everything. 23 more made uh, free throws as well, <laughs> Yeah, I do believe. Because <laughs> I think he had 24 free throws uh, that he made. But nope, the Indiana Pacers say, no, no, uh, we need that ball. And now Giannis um, also made some other comments. He doesn't even believe that he's got the Game 6 uh, NBA Finals ball where he scored 50 points to get the Bucks their championship in 50 years. Uh, Giannis doesn't even have that. But nope, the Indiana Pacers are like, no, we're going to have that ball. We're going to have that ball because this rookie needs it. Uh, Rick Carlisle said it was an, a quote, an unfortunate situation. <laughs> Just give, give Giannis the ball. Um, funny. All right, Rowdy. Uh, let's see our guy, worst Brewers fan. He says uh, there's no question that Giannis is the greatest player in Bucks history, and I've seen them all. So there's one guy chiming in. Well, I mean, it's for me, it's, it's just I think it's safe to say Giannis is probably going to be a buck for life. And for sure through his prime. Yeah. So he's going to have a longer tenure than Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. At a minimum, they're both going to have a championship. And Giannis has all the overseas deal of, of all the fans and all of the traffic from overseas and the United States. Yep. Those three things to me put Giannis on top. He's got that cheddar, man. 
the Greek freak. Uh, incredible last night. And we'll get to Giannis' comments as uh, I wanted to let it breathe a little bit. Heard from Damian Lillard. Man, can you imagine if we were doing this exact same show, but we were like out of Gary, Indiana? <laughs> We'd be talking about Oscar Tshiebwe's career night. Uh, and how and how Giannis is a D-bag for wanting to have the ball and when Tshiebwe earned that because think, he got his first point. Do you think you could even really do more than a segment on Oscar Tshiebwe's uh, career night? I mean, he shot one free throw. <laughs> <laughs> and some guy on the court opposite of him set a franchise record. Do you? That's a great question. If you are in Indiana, can you have a serious show saying that the Sheboy needs that ball of Rihanna Sedanakumbo? No. <laughs> like, is, is that a conversation that you can have legitimately with a straight face? That's funny. Uh, Portage, Mike and Portage, who's the third best buck of all time? Ray Allen? For my money. I mean, Ray Ray is really good. Yeah, I mean... You gotta go maybe back in the back of, back of the Sydney Moncrief yeah. would be someone's you know that's older's maybe their third best player in yes. Bucks history. It all just I feel like it all depends on when you were alive or <laughs> not when you were alive when you were born. Where do you put the Aussie Andrew Bogut? <laughs> he He's five? below Ray <laughs> Allen. He might even be below Young Buck. Uh, what well, you got? Dandridge. You got Marcus Johnson. You know, there's there's all kinds of names up there. Sydney, Mon- I think Rowdy said Sydney Moncrief. Uh, Johnny McLaughlin, Rowdy. Um, what about Michael Red? I mean, he had the second most. Bo- I think f- I fifty-seven. Mean, if, if you're like twenty, if you're like probably Grant built Bill's age. 25, 26. I think Michael Red might be bigger than Ray Allen. Ray Allen might be a little early for you. Yeah. Controversy for Giannis Dendekumbo's franchise record 64 points last night. The Greek Freak. Uh, audio now leaking out from a video of the Pacers locker room where they're screaming, don't give him the ball, don't give him the ball, you're not getting the ball, don't give it to him, and also some other choice words that I can't say on air. And then Giannis... After the game, before he left the court, was not screaming, but intently telling a coach, go get the ball. Go get the effing ball. Get my effing the Pacers ball. wouldn't let it happen. So Giannis took the podium afterwards. Uh, Giannis was given a ball, but the Greek freak says it's not the game ball that he wanted. You can, like, Giannis, I, I have his comments. I'll play. I don't know yep. if basketballs are kind of like footballs, like, We'd always work them in. You'd take a brush. That's what Giannis says. Get them a little gritty. Uh, we never, like like baseball too, there's like muds you can rub on them to, to get more like traction on on the ball for you, for your hands and Dude, stuff. Dude, that's what I always wonder, like in baseball. You know how some of these, uh, we'll say new age pitchers, like the pitchers today, there'll be guys that they'll throw them a ball. Yeah. And they'll they'll kind of like, like touch it no, and then yeah. they, they don't like it <laughs> and they throw it back. Yeah. And then they get a new one. I always wondered that. I'm like, I would want to keep the one that I have mucked up for as long as possible. Well, let's hear from, let's hear from to... Giannis. Let's hear from Giannis quicker. Here's Giannis on uh, did he get the game ball after the game? Here's the great freak. I have a ball, but I don't know if it's a game ball. It doesn't feel like the game ball to me. It's It feels like a brand new ball. So Giannis, given a, so they said they gave him a ball. The Pacers want to keep him for a, a um, who's the player again? Oh, Loser. Oscar Sheboy? Sheboy, who scored one point Loser on a free Loser. throw. Here's more from Giannis. Here's the Q&A. Here, take a listen. Um, can you confirm that you have the game ball from tonight? I have no idea. I'm not going to lie. I'm 
I have no idea. I I don't know. You know, I really don't know. I don't know. I have a ball, but I don't know if it's a game ball. It doesn't feel like the game ball to me. It's it feels like a brand new ball. This wasn't the game ball that I had in my hands when I scored sixty four. Yeah, he said when he felt he's like <laughs> yeah. in the longer in the longer Q and A, he's like, I know what the balls feel like. I know what the game ball is compared to a brand new ball because. I played, how many minutes did he play? I was like 34 minutes, 32 minutes, whatever it was. Yeah. He's like, I know what it feels like. Well, it's not the ball. We talked about baseball. How about football? Obviously, you have a number of footballs that all have to be, you know, okayed by the referees. Yep. But RJ, you're on the high school sidelines doing like the down sticks. They have like three. But <laughs> when you look at those, a lot of the balls that actually get used in game, that is the team's ball that they like. Yeah. It's been used all season. Oh, yeah. So it's a little nicked up. It's yeah. it's not like one you just got out brand new from like Dick's Sporting Goods. Right. No, so it, the, it has some character to it. The NBA and the Home team provide you get seventy two balls to start the year. You provide three balls that are inspected by the referees. The home team does, and then they're given the green light. They're the balls that you use throughout the course of the season. And once they get the green light, then you use them. They're your balls. Uh, Giannis also says this is not the first time he's been unable to secure a game ball. Oh, the one also he wanted but never got was Game Six, the NBA Finals, when they won. He scored fifty points and they won their championship. Here's more from Giannis. I don't like. I don't even have the game ball from. Um... Which hurts me. I have the game ball from Game Six in the NBA Finals. I don't have the game ball from that either. That's that's crazy to me. Like yeah, that's that's what are people doing here? Here's we're that, celebrating one point. So Giannis went to uh, go get the ball from the Pacers locker room. They're screaming. You can hear him screaming in the locker room. Don't give it to him. Don't give it to him. He's not getting that ball. And then there was a, a little scuffle ensued. I would say some contentious talk. And then the GM for the Pacers allegedly got elbowed in the ribs. By who, I'm not sure, but here's Adrian Griffin. I was not out there. I was not aware. You know, I heard some grumblings, but, you know, at this time, I'll, you know, obviously we'll, we'll uh, sit down and John and I and we'll talk about what happened, but I wasn't there. I w- wasn't uh, even aware that, you know, it happened. And we'll hear from the enemy quick, uh, Pacers head coach Rick Carlisle. Uh, he admits that Giannis didn't actually receive How the much do you think it will take for Giannis to get that real basketball? Because it, it feels like that it's probably with the Pacers. How much do you think you'd have to pay, I guess, Oscar Shibway for that ball? Well, here's what you do. You send <laughs> Thanasis after him. Thanasis, go get the ball. You you know how, like, no in, money. You sent Thanasis after him. Go get it, Thanasis. You know how, like, get in, in baseball where a guy will get a – get a hit or whatever, or it'll be a home run for his first hit or his first home run. And it's in the stands and they got to go get it from them. And they'll offer them like a, you know, an offer like, Hey, this guy will sign a, another ball for you. Or we'll have the team sign it something where they'll exchange the ball. Yeah. Or like, do you remember who was it? Like Aaron that had, who was it in the NFL that some quarterback threw a big milestone touchdown and then the guy launched it for his touchdown celebration into the stands. Oh, yeah. Then, Who was that? And then was uh, like, oh, crap. We yeah. got to get that football back. Uh, was it Tom, I can't remember. Was it, who it was. for the Buccaneers for Tom Brady? Yeah. Yep. It was, was it Mike uh, Evans? Mike Evans. Yeah. Ev- yeah. <laughs> here's here's Brett Carlisle. Oh, no, he handed it to some dude. S- stands. Yeah. And, and then like, they gave the guy away, like season and tickets and, and cleats. Like, and, and he's yeah. like, I. Here's, need that real quick, here's Rick Carlisle admitting that Giannis didn't receive the ball. We always get the game ball. We were not thinking about Giannis's franchise record. So we grabbed the ball, and a couple, couple of minutes later, several of their players ended up in our hallway. A big uh, 
I don't know. I don't know what to call it. A fracas, a melee, whatever. I don't think any punches were landed, but my general manager got elbowed in the ribs. <laughs> okay. <laughs> this is what I want to know. In a world of basketball players, how tall is that general manager to get it in the ribs? Uh, I can, I don't know. Give me a second if I can find it. <laughs> but here's the other thing. We always get the game ball? No, I actually, I actually get where Rick Car- uh, Carlisle's coming from here. They weren't even thinking. They they don't know the Bucks franchise record. They don't know. They had Oscar Shibway score the point. It was his first point. I understand they took the ball. They wanted him to have it. But, but when Giannis comes to your locker room, when the Bucks come to your locker room and say, dude, can you give us the ball? That was Giannis's franchise record, 64, blah, blah, blah. Like, once you think, then you'd be like, oh, our bad, guys. Here's, here's the ball. And then we'll hand you this youth ball for your one point. Uh, here's, a child. Here's, here's another ball from the game. Here's your one but point. Like, it's just give Giannis the ball. I don't, Chad Buchanan, well, by the way, is six four. Okay, that's that's enough to get ribbed. That that, that could potentially be like a Thanasis elbow to the rib. That could be because he's a little shorter than Giannis. Thanasis yeah. needed to get in that locker room. He's a little shorter than the average NBA player. They did. Giannis you know. got. A decently hard foul into the end of the game where he's like, they like hugged him and laid him on the ground. Finances tried to run on the court to fight someone. <laughs> Rob Reichel, Forbes.com, Conley Media. Good morning, Robbie. Good morning, boys. How we doing? Cloud nine. Rowdy? Always live in the dream. Rob. <laughs> Rob. What the hell happened Monday night? What the, what, what, guys, what was you that? Know, you, you guys know Annie's back in town, like the great Robert Plant said. So uh, Matt LaFleur and his boys are back in town. So. We'll, uh, we'll we'll see if Sunday can be any different. You know who else is back in town, Rob? The Joe Barry haters. The Joe Barry hater club. Yeah. They want they want him ran out in a, on a rail. Well, and I'll tell you what, boys. The one thing that really came into clear focus too on on Monday night is, and, and Joe Barry gets beat up on a lot, and rightfully so. Uh, he, he's he's a well deserved punching bag, but but maybe the special teams coach deserves a few more eyes on him at this point in time too. And if you want, we can get into that in the next fifteen minutes or so. But sure. but that unit is not that unit has not been any good this season either. And 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 even though everybody celebrated this dramatic rise last year from 32nd overall in football guys, they only jumped to number 22 last year in special teams. And that was a Keyshawn Nixon running all over the world with his monster returns all season. Keyshawn Nixon has crashed back down to earth uh, in, in 2023 here. And uh, the special teams units have been bad, bad, bad. I think that did, did you tweet out, Rob? How did Mo Drayton get back on the sidelines for the Packers? <laughs> I did. I, think I that did was tweet the that out, and um, yeah, I mean, it, you know, and, and and hey, I get it. Rich Versace is is going to be back on the staff next year. He's safe. They gave him that title this off season of you know associate head coach. I mean, if Matt Lafleur had to miss time or or something, guys, I would be shocked. I guess if if Masaccia wasn't named the interim head coach just because of his, his past experiences in doing some of this. But, you know, he, he's getting paid $2 million a year. He's the highest-paid special teams coordinator in the league. He was brought in to be the savior for that, you know, that particular unit. And the units haven't been good. He has a kicker that ranks 32nd in extra point percentage. He has a kicker that ranks 24th in overall percentage. He has a, he has a return man the other night who puts the ball on the ground, gets up, tries to run with it, puts it on the ground again, and then says afterwards when he's asked, hey, what do you do in that situation? Should you stay on the ground? And the return man, Keyshawn Nixon, says, we're really not taught what to do there. So, 
That, I mean, that right there was eye-opening, guys. So, I mean, there's a lot of dysfunction right now inside that unit as well, and and that's something they're going to have to get cleaned up the last four games of the year if they want to make a playoff push. I don't want to make excuses for Rich Passaccia, but when you look at this Green Bay Packers team, we know how inexperienced they are on offense. Just in general, it's a very young roster. Do you think it could play the regression we've seen plays into the fact that it's a lot of young, inexperienced guys that haven't played much NFL football. Maybe that's why it's leading to more dysfunction than there should be. Yeah, but look at it this way too, Rowdy, right? I mean, they they have they have completely turned over personnel decisions on that side as well to Basaccia. They have largely said to him, you know, go pick the core guys that you need. And they've even given him some autonomy in the draft room to do that as well. And in free agency, um, you know, the, the, the guys, Gutekunst went out and got the Basaccia guys or the Rudy Ford, the Keyshawn Nixon and the, and the Dale and Levitt. And um, I mean, think about it for a second, right? Levitt has the double penalty to kick off the one game and he's gone yeah. 24 hours later, right? He is supposed to be your, your core guy on, on special teams. Uh, and, and that's a veteran rowdy. That's a 28 to 30 year old guy who's, who's got six, seven years of experience uh, in the, in the league. And, you know, and, and they ran him out of town on a rail. They do have some veterans, you know, making a, a big difference there. You know, the McDuffies of the world, the Wilsons, they've got some decent core guys, but, but overall is, is, is a unit. And, and again, I don't know exactly where they rank top to bottom in the 25 various categories that, that Rick Gosselin is going to put together at the end of the year. For those that don't know, he's, he's kind of the special teams guru reporter guy in, in the world, and he compiles these rankings at the end of the year to see where, where teams rank, 1 through 32, in, in, a, in a variety of categories. And traditionally, you know, the, the 15 years or so before Basaccia, the Packers have been th- had been 32nd five of those 15 years and had an overall ranking, guys, of about 26. So, you know, they made the jump last year to 22nd. It's a solid jump. But, but Rowdy, I, I think you're throwing him too great of a lifeline, you know, and a, and a raft to say, hey, it's because of some youth. Because every team in the league, you're the bottom 15 guys of your roster, those are going to be young guys because people in, in the salary cap world, teams in the salary cap world, are trying to stay minimum wage at the bottom of the roster. So those are fifth, sixth, seventh round draft picks in most cities. And it, and it really is no different in Green Bay. And you could even argue that Passaccia was, you know, handed, handed the keys to this kingdom and, and said, pick some of the key core guys you want. And a lot of those guys are not delivering. Remember, Basaccia got to pick the kicker. The kicker is, has been up and down, more down lately than up. Basaccia got to pick the punter. Say what you will there. It's a, I get it. It's a growth year. It's a learning year. But, but, but they don't rank particularly high in a, in a lot of the punting categories either. And, and the weather hasn't even gotten nasty yet. So, um, you know, we, we, like, kind of how we started this thing. A lot of attention, a lot of focus gets paid to Joe Barry. I think a lot needs to be paid to Rich Passacci as well. Well, which was the worst unit on Monday then, Rob? Was it the special teams or was it, you know, Joe Barry? Because Matt LaFour hit the podium and he's like, I don't know why we were playing the, the man we were playing. And he was asked, was it a Joe Barry problem or was it a player problem? He's like, we're just going to correct it. He looked pretty perturbed, kind of alluding to maybe a Joe Barry problem. Was defense worse than special teams against Tommy DeVito and the Giants? 
I mean, defense was probably worse at the end, right? Special teams hurt them a few. Really, I mean, they both get Fs, right? I mean, yes. if we're giving grades in 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 this whole thing, I mean, really top to bottom. Um, I mean, maybe the offense is a D or something like, like that. Um, you know, but, but flip a coin, I guess, really evil, right? Who's, who's, uh, who's worse through the course of that game, defense or special teams? I, I did think there were a couple of times the offense put the defense in some really bad spots. And, um, you know, Barkley didn't kill the Packers until late. But again, that, that's no surprise because Green Bay's fourth quarter run defense, when they've got to come up with stops in the four minute has been really, really bad through the course of the year, and, and Barkley ate him up. But, yeah, no, I mean, Joe Barry certainly doesn't deserve any kind of pass for the other night. I mean, the, the defense they played at the end of that game was, was was comical, guys. There weren't 33 seconds left on the clock when DeVito got the ball. It was a minute 33, and that and that's an absolute eternity in the National Football League. So for him to be playing off coverage like that on the edges and letting DeVito eat him up for 8, 10 yards of throw to kind of start things, and then B – you know, on the real killer play, the 32, 33-yard reception that they had on the on, on the crosser, you know, where where Nixon bites and he and he and he gets beat to the outside. Nixon's supposed to drive that guy to the end. I mean, again, he saw Nixon just with an absolutely horrendous, horrendous football game. He's supposed to drive that receiver to the middle of the field. He bites on a route. The receiver takes him to the outside and turns the corner for whatever it was, I think 32, 33 yards down to about the Packer 20. So the combination there, guys, of of them playing man and rushing with just four, and, and again, that pass rush through the course of the night against the Giants offensive line that had been absolutely miserable, allowed 69 sacks in the first 12 games, so we're talking almost six sacks a game, and Green Bay can't get home once. And now at the most critical point in the game, Joe Barry elects to rush with just four and play man on the edges. I mean, that's, that's, I'm not a defensive coordinator and never will be. And, and Joe is certainly smarter than I am, but I don't think Joe's smarter than a lot of the coordinators in the league who would not have played that coverage guys. And I like, I don't want to give Joe Barry any excuses. The last second half was just brutal defensively, but sometimes you have to look at some of the players. And when you look at Patrick, Taylor's play. You have Keyshawn <laughs> Nixon's play. I mean, you can go right on down the list. It felt like a very low IQ football night for a lot of the players on the team just in general. But my question to you, Rob, is if Tommy DeVito swings you in an open pass in the flat and it's you and Darnell Savage one-on-one, odds you can make him with. <laughs> Yeah, at my age and as a middle-aged 50-year-old man, uh, 30%. I still got you, Robbie. Um, <laughs> so, I, no, no, I mean, you're, exact, you're exactly right. And, yeah, I, and obviously I'm, I'm tongue-in-cheek there. But, no, the, the average NFL running back, the average NFL wide receiver, slot guy against Savage in, in space right now, I mean, it's, it's not pretty. He's... He's been one of the worst tackling safeties in the league since he entered the league. Um, there's a lot to like about Darnell Savage, right? He covers a ton of ground. He runs well. Um, you know, he flies around that place like a missile, but half the time he's not completely out of control and he, and he bites on some stuff and um, he has never been the reliable type of player that Green Bay has expected. I mean, let, let's not forget, guys, not only was he a first-round draft pick, he was the first defensive back period taken in that draft, whatever year that was, right? 19, I think that was. This is year five. 
or Darnell Savage. He, I guess I would be shocked if he's, he's back in, in 2024, the combination of, you know, mediocre to subpar play and injuries probably means he's on a, on a different roster next year. And the fact they really didn't miss a beat when he missed time this year and, 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 and they rolled with, with Ford and Owens back there. So no, you're, you're not, you're not wrong, Rowdy. I mean, I will say this though, out of their long list of problems from the other night, Darnell Savage ranks probably what 15th. I mean, it's, there's a, there was a lot that went wrong the other night, a lot that needs to get cleaned up here before, before, you know, they close the thing with, with Tampa and Carolina, Minnesota, Chicago, uh, what, what should be a pretty easy four game stretch. Um, if they can get some things fixed and, and cleaned up here between, between, uh, Monday and Sunday guys. But, uh, you know, they're, They've got a long list of things to fix. There's no question about that. Well, maybe this is a Barry thing because I almost feel like Savage is playing out of position. Like, I get it, he's a safety, but remember his first couple years were much better than the last two or three. And I think that had to do with Adrian Amos being a guy that could, you know, play a little defense in the box and be the safety to come up and, and make a play tackling a ball carrier. You even said it. Darnell Savage is a guy that runs. He's a coverage safety, but he's being asked to try and to to help fill, and he can't do it. I think he'd actually be a really good slot corner, uh, and and maybe the next team will try him there uh, because Keyshawn Nixon is not a good slot corner. Um, and I and I think they've got enough safeties, which which I'm shocked that I'm saying that because when when we looked at the roster back in August, safety. <laughs> excuse me, to me was the weakest part on, on the football team um, that we're, you know, we're talking about Rudy Ford, who I think is a very serviceable player and Owens has played better than most people thought. Um, and, and you can probably now, again, we'll, we'll see what goes on, uh, you know, with, with Savage and the injury front heading, you know, he, heading, heading into uh, th- this week's game because, you know, he, he's coming off that, that shoulder from the other night. Didn't, you know, they listed him as a do not, did not participate in Wednesday's practice, uh, Nelly. And, and again, it was only a walkthrough yesterday. We'll see what guys do today and, and tomorrow leading in, leading into the game. But just, I guess, based on Savage's injury history, he may not be available, uh, you know, come Sunday. But, but hey, I've always said I'd like to see him in the slot. He's big, strong, fast. Really, really quick hips, good feet. There's a lot he could do as a slot corner to beat the hell out of receivers inside that little box there to start with. And then he's got the recovery ability, I think, uh, to, to, to be a decent slot corner. So that that's something I, I you know, maybe it's too late. We're right, we're down to four games of the season. That's something I would have liked to see them try more during his during his run in Green Bay, guys. But again, I, I think his run in Green Bay is almost over. So, Rob, speaking of injuries and whatnot, uh, moving forward here to the Battle of the Bays uh, up at Lambeau on Sunday. Packers pretty banged up offensively, man. What's going on with like, um, uh, you know, all the wide receivers now with injury? Yeah, I mean it's it's just another week in Green Bay, people. <laughs> I mean, you, you you look at Green Bay's um, you know injury report from yesterday. I'm I'm trying to recall here. I think there were fourteen or fifteen guys on it. Tampa's comes out. There's seven or eight on that, and I mean it's it. I I I don't. They, things are just different, I guess, in Green Bay. Um, was Aaron Jones going to play? They held. I mean, he was limited in practice, right? And then uh, they held him out of Monday night. Do you think Jones plays Sunday? There's, there's a weapon I back. Talked to, I talked to him. Talked to him a bit about it yesterday. Obviously, tight-lipped and, and guarded. The one thing he did reveal to me that I thought was interesting is 
he said one of the reasons they held him out Monday, and he, he said he, you know, I, I asked him, because I, he practiced last Saturday a little bit, and, and I said, did you think after Saturday you could go Monday? And he said, no. He said, I knew right away I couldn't go Monday. He said, but, but part of the deal with, with holding me out Monday was to keep was was to give me a chance to play against Tampa Bay. So, um, again, I we'll see. I, I I I hate to make any predictions with this team, Evo, on a on a Thursday because more more often than not, and you've seen this through the course of the year, we think guys are on track to play like Jair, and for they just, and then they just simply don't. Right? I mean, who knows when we'll see Jair Alexander again? They didn't even bring him to New York the other day with them, which, which, you know, there's, there's something more. And, and, and it's one of the things I, and a lot of people want to try to find out evil. There's something more going on with Jair Alexander. I'm not putting it in the David Bakhtiari category yet with that shoulder injury and, and how guarded they are and how weird this whole thing has been, but this has been weird. And, uh, you know, a lot of people thought Alexander would have been back two, three weeks ago. He's not. And, and, and again, it's, their common practice for those that don't know is to bring these injured guys with them on road trips and, and keep them part of the team and keep them active. And Jair did not go on that New York trip. Now they, they wrote it off and said it was, you know, part of his treatment and his medical type stuff needed to be addressed back here at, at home and stuff like that. But, but you, you could, you could make that case and, and and have that same song and dance for any of these injured guys. Mm-hmm. And um, so, I mean, Evo, if you really had to ask me on a Thursday to predict, and this is really difficult, I'd probably say no on Alexander. I think they try to steal 20 snaps out of Aaron Jones, probably a no out of Christian Watson and that hammy. They'll be unbelievably careful with that and and, and, and try to take that, you know, uh, another week or two. Jaden Reed's the toughest SOB they maybe have in that locker room and one of the tougher tougher guys they've had come through. Uh, little guy since Donald Driver. I mean, he is one tough sucker. Um, so he's got the ankle right now on top of some other stuff that, that he's been dinged with through the course of the year. But but we're talking about, what, a Flint, Michigan guy? I mean, yeah, Jaden Reed plays. Jaden Reed's a tough sucker. Um, right. Dontavian Wicks has that ankle. A tough one to call, I guess, at this point in time. But, but you're right, Evo. They're really beat up at that position. So, I mean – a lot of people immediately, and this is just how the world works, right? They say Jordan Love has this terrible game, blah, 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 blah. I mean, Jordan Love was playing with a really short deck, and Jordan Love wasn't good the other night. Don't get me wrong. Jordan Love missed a lot of open throws and, and stuff like that. But Jordan, but Jordan Love was also working with a really you, – you talk about Joe Barry working with a short deck. Jordan Love was working with a, with a really short deck, not, you know, not having some wideouts, not having his number one running back things like that. The offensive line, not having a great night. Um, so we'll, we'll, we'll see how the next 48 hours or so play out Evo. Yep. Um, but I, but I would, I would certainly think out of, out of, uh, out of these injured guys, uh, the, the, there's, you know, three or four really key ones again that are going to miss. Hi Rob, bring it all home for me uh, up against the break. What happens Sunday against the Buccaneers? I think they rebound pretty well. I, I, I really do. I, I think that whole NFC South is bad. Um, I think Santa Baker Mayfield, who we remember came to Lambeau two years ago on Christmas and gave the Packers four interceptions, gives them a couple more on, uh, on, on Sunday. I was, I was joking with Kenny Clark about that yesterday. I, I, I said, you know, you remember back in the day, Charles Woodson always said, Give give Jay Cutler enough time, he's going to give you a couple of picks, right? He's going to throw a couple to you. 
That, that's kind of Baker Mayfield these days. I think Baker Mayfield makes more critical mistakes in this game than Jordan Love and the Packers offense does. Um, I think Green Bay wins the turnover battle, and I think Green Bay bounces back. Even though they'll be shorthanded again, I, I, I still think they have enough to get it done. It's not going to be easy, though. I'm going to say like 26-20 Green Bay. Rob, always a pleasure, dude. You're the man. And uh, if you could, if you want to get down to Milwaukee or maybe drive to Indiana, get that ball back for Giannis Dendekumo last night, okay? 64 points for the Greek freak, all right? Yeah, I'll, I'll do my best. You know what an NBA guy I am. <laughs> That's why I sent you on the mission, Rob. <laughs> it's your mission should you choose to accept it. Robbie, we'll check you out at Forbes.com, Conley Media. Yeah, but... Thanks, boys. You have a great day. See you, Robbie. Rob Reichel on Twitter, too. There he goes. To the Packers. So we were talking with Rob Reichel. Uh, a lot of injuries mounting up for the Green Bay Packers. Every week, the injury report's like just reading like a chapter of War and Peace. It is long. Um, and it was Jaden Reed. Okay, before we get to Jaden Reed, on the broadcast on Monday night, I think it was Troy Aikman. I think Aikman said this. It was one of the, one of the two. Pretty sure it was Aikman. That the Packers don't ha- obviously don't have a clear-cut number one wide receiver. But that's a good thing. Uh, they're saying it was a good thing that the Packers don't have a clear-cut number one. I I rose an eyebrow at it. I'm like, man, I, I feel like you'd want a true clear-cut number one. But then I was like, well, Jordan Lowe's been able to share the ball around, and that they've been growing and learning together. It's a good thing they don't have a clear-cut number one. Don't you, need, don't you want a clear-cut number one? I get where he's coming from because, like you just said, there's no great receiver that's open all the time because he mentioned Devontae Adams and maybe get a little happy, a little too happy feeding him the football. Yeah. And I think that was kind of a shot at Aaron Rodgers. Yeah. So I get where he's coming from because it's, it's a lot of young inexperienced wide receivers. So, you know, if so-and-so catches 30 balls, another guy catches 40 and this guy here has 60, like there is more of an even distribution so that they all can kind of learn and grow so that they're all getting better. But I think you in you know guy. some some back room, if you got Jordan Love one on one, would you like to have like a Devontae Adams on your team or a Justin Jefferson? I think he'd say, Oh hell yes, I would. And we were talking off air. I asked you the question, was this yesterday, two days ago? I go, What do you think that this Green Bay offense needs? Because like I'm looking at the Green Bay offense for the future and if it's trending towards Jordan Love being the guy and you look at the backfield and you're like, well, Aaron Jones is still under contract and is still a legit player for one more season. He hits 30 next year. That'll be your running back. You know, who knows what happens with AJ Dillon, but you have the Patrick Taylors of the world that have filled in admirably. I guess you would say at this point, they yeah. are what they are. Yeah. The offense don't ask me to go out of bounds. Yeah. The offensive line outside of Bakhtiari is relatively young and under contract. What it's Bakhtiari and Runyon that are essentially yeah. probably gone, but you, you'd be able to fill in Runyon with Sean Ryan. So you'd maybe need some depth. Look at the tight end position. You found Musgraves. He'll be back healthy next year. You found Kraft, who's emerging with Musgraves being injured, which we talked about that earlier ago. I think that was a blessing in disguise, getting Tucker Kraft more involved. Yeah, he's been nice. And then Ben Sims was an undrafted free agent out of Baylor. He's played pretty well he for his first is. touchdown. Uh, exactly. Like ago, yeah. he's been serviceable as an undrafted free agent. And then you move, you move on and you're like offensively, I think for this team to really get up and go, you could always use offensive line depth, a number one wide receiver. Yeah. If, if you had, is there a number one on this team? I don't think there is right now. I'm not saying that maybe one couldn't grow into it in the next two or three years. 
But I think right now there's no clear-cut Marvin Harrison Jr. that's coming out in the draft. If they were, if some for some reason they were picking the top five and they landed him, I think your wide receiver core would be set for like the future, the the immediate and the you know next three to four years. Yeah. You would have a stud receiving core, and then you'd probably just add offensive line depth and maybe a back here in the next year or two. But yeah, other than that, it's like with these guys growing and what we've seen. I'm not ready to say throw any of these guys in the trash and say, eh, there's no chance at a second contract. Here. Yeah, Kurt Benkirk had tweeted this out saying consistently most of the top team, and this is an obvious thing, consistently most of the top teams in the NFL have a star number one wide receiver. Uh, it's also it's almost a disservice not to have one for your quarterback. And then you list, you know, Debo, Diggs, Ceedee Lamb, AJ Brown. Now the Chargers aren't a, a, a top team, but they have a top offense. Keenan Allen, who's now out though, Tyreek Hill, Chase, you know, et cetera. He says the top teams in the league with top quarterbacks have game changers at receiver. Most of the quarterbacks wouldn't be the same without them. So you look at the Packers. Um, is it a disservice right now for Jordan Love not to have that number one wide receiver? And like, who would be the closest thing to a number one if Christian Watson was healthy? Could he be a number one? Is is Jaden Reed trending right now to be the, your playmaker on offense for wide receivers? See, if you were to say, if you were to ask this question in like the mid 2000s, I think everyone would have told you Jaden Reed can't be a number one. Yeah. But ever since the slot receiver had its rise to fame, right? With the Wes Welkers of the world, Julian Edelman's of the world. Mm hmm. I think it's easier to make the argument that a slot receiver can be number one because you can kind of tailor your offense around that. But I think purely from physical abilities with the, the size, the speed, the athletic ability, the vertical, the one that profiles closest to a number one, or as our uh, you know famous listener Dwight Love would say, uh, you know a baby Randy Moss. Randy Moss two point Clearly Christian Watson. Yeah, but. Dude hasn't been able to stay on the field his first two years. He had knee surgery going into to clean out his knee uh, going into his rookie year, missed time. Then he had the hamstring pop up. This year it's been a hamstring. Uh, he just hasn't been able to stay on the field. Mm -hmm. And we've seen flashes. We've seen bad and we've seen good. I really just think that the long term... I think it's good they don't have a number one receiver for the rest of the, the five, six guys to grow and be as good as possible. Mm -hmm. But I think in the short term for like this season, if Jordan Love had a number one, clearly it would help out the receiving oh, court because yeah. it'd be Big the time. guy that you could go to yeah, when you needed you one. You need a go-to guy. Uh, Jaden Reed on the podium yesterday. Uh, he's a little banged up. Who, who isn't for the Green Bay Packers right now? Uh, was asked, does he know how injured his ankle was during that Giants game? Don't, know, don't even know when it happened. It's just I woke up the next day and it was really sore. So... Well, okay. <laughs> was he able to help figure out why, you know, he left hurt? Yeah, I believe so. Uh, I kind of got up and, you know, they just brought me in the tent for some reason and told me I had to go in for some reason, and I went in, you know, uh, just followed the precautions, and, you know, everything's all good now. Was that right after the two-point conversion attempt? Yes, sir, yep. And on that two-point conversion attempt, what was it was called? It was a freaking end around that Matt LaFour kept calling. like... <laughs> Uh, he was asked about it. Uh, what did the Giants defense change after the first two or three times that was freaking called? Here you go. Here's more from Reed. I wouldn't say much change. I, I kind of seen like the ends kind of widen a little bit more, you know, as, you know, we uh, went, went later in the game. And, you know, uh, those is probably the biggest difference. difference. The edge was a little wider out there. Yeah, it just kind of changed the look. So. Because they knew exactly what was coming. They're like, oh, the floor's calling this again? Okay, we'll snuff that out real quick. And LaFleur said after the game that was, quote, a, a bad play.
a bad call. Uh, speaking of Matt LaFleur, uh, he was also on a podium uh, yesterday. Now, uh, LaFleur uh, got, what, the Buccaneers coming up here. But with uh, Jaden Reed, they were also talking about him. Well, one more from Reed, actually. He uh, says an NFL concussion official upstairs pulled him off the field after that two-point conversion. I kind of got up, and, you know, they just brought me in the tent for some reason and told me I had to go in for some reason, and I went in. You know, uh, that's the same cut. Come on, Clemens. Uh, but LaFleur talks about Jade Reed and the possibility of a concussion, which sounds like he's all right. Yeah, it's great news. Yeah, I don't want to say I'm not an expert by any stretch, but just talking to him, he told me after the game that he was fine. But obviously, there's a protocol that you have to go through. And so you're always concerned, but he was pretty confident and when he was talking to me that, that he was fine. But again, you got to go through the process. And if you notice kind of the trends with concussions in the NFL, there's more and more guys that when they do get a confirmed concussion, they're not playing the next week. And the fact that the Green Bay Packers played the Giants on Monday night, so it'd be a short week where you'd have even less time to get ready. And it's probably 50-50 if I had to just you know randomly pick a percentage on guys playing the week after they get a concussion these days. There probably would have been no shot. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, and there are a little controversy surrounding uh, T.J. Watt right now with that. Anyways, besides the point, uh, Matt LaFleur on uh, the upcoming opponent, though, the Battle of the Bays, Baker Mayfield, quarterback for the Buccaneers. Uh, what did Robbie call him? We had him on about an hour ago. Uh, Baker Claus, Baker Santa Claus, because he gifted the Packers a bunch of interceptions. I think it was Santa Baker Mayfield. Yeah, that's what it was. Uh, Matt LaFleur talks on the Buccaneers quarterback, Baker Mayfield. I just think he's a guy that's playing with a lot of confidence. Obviously, he's got some pretty darn good receivers to throw to. He got a lot of respect for Dave Canales, his offense coordinator, just what they've shown and put on tape. So I think he's doing a really good job. I think he's playing with a lot of confidence. How healthy is Baker Mayfield, though? That's the thing. I mean, he's been pretty beat up ever since about 2019. But Mike Evans is a stud. Well, speaking of Mike Evans, here's Matt LaFleur. I got to see him up close and personal at the Pro Bowl a couple of years ago. He's a pretty intelligent guy, but I think he's a guy that loves football. Uh, I love the way he competes. He is physical. He does a great job of opening up his stride. Obviously, his catch radius is insane. Uh, there's not a catch he can't make, not a route he can't run. He will go down as, as one of the best to ever do it. He's a beast. Well, obviously, Mike Evans kind of came to popularity back in the early 2010s at Texas A&M because he was the stud receiver that Johnny Manziel always found 50 yards downfield after he scrambled around for 20 to 50 yards. Well, Mike Evans, he's in his 10th year. Do you see he went over 1,000 yards again this season? Yeah. He's now went over 1,000 yards in all 10 seasons. Like, he's a stud. He's really good. And to Matt LaFleur's point about meeting him, at the Pro Bowl and saying how he's a really smart guy. Believe it or not, Ebo, I had a professor at the University of Wisconsin Lacrosse that used to teach at Texas A&M oh, yeah? in the early 2010s, and he said he had Mike Evans as a student, really? and he was a really good guy, really smart guy, and actually really cared about his classes. He'd come in and work with them after. So he was there to play football and school. Correct. Wow, that's rare. Like Mr. Clean with hair. Uh, Rowdy, how about this? Matt LaFleur has asked this. The possibility of Eric Stokes coming back. And by the way, that is the Harvard of the Midwest, UWL. <laughs> we know. <laughs> Grant can vouch for that, too, when he comes in. Uh, but, yes, uh, Eric Stokes coming back. Eric Stokes has played this season, what, four snaps? Four snaps. And he I believe hurt. they were all on special teams. And then he got hurt again. 
Correct. Here's LaFleur on the possibility of Stokes coming back. Yeah, we'll see. We'll, we'll uh, give him the week, and we'll probably put him through some, you know, physical tests. We're going to have a little bit different of a practice tomorrow. We will have some, some individual time, but the majority of not only today, but tomorrow, the majority of it's, it's walkthroughs. So we'll test him in different ways just to make sure he's ready to go. Yeah, I'm not going to hold my breath on Eric Stokes. Hopefully he gets to eight snaps this time. Uh, Matt LaFleur does talk a little more on Stokes. Would they love to get Stokes more snaps on defense, or does he already have the guys? We'd love to give him some snaps. Um, you know, I think he's played some really good ball for us. So, you know, we're hoping that he'd be back before now. I know it's been frustrating for him, but, you know, I think hopefully we're getting close to that day. Rowdy, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers defense. Yay, nay. Middle of the pack. Well, we've talked about what, when Jordan Love was going through those three games where he was balling out, it was all below average to horrible passing defenses. Mm -hmm. Then he finally faced the New York Giants that have some competent players. It's a competent defense. It's a about middle of the road pass defense. And obviously the offensive line didn't block to the best of their abilities. So he was kind of under pressure. It was windy. He was off a lot of factors that went into that, but it was a decent pass defense. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers, when you look at their defense, they still have the remnants from their front seven that were from the Tom Brady Super Bowl. From that 2019-2020 roster, they still have some of those good players. So they absolutely shut down the run. I believe they're a top-10 team against the run. Well, good thing for the Packers, they really don't run very consistently. But when you look at the defense against the pass, they're not very good. They are not very good against the pass, but the defense overall is opportunistic when it comes to turnovers because Baker Mayfield does turn the football over, yet they still have a pretty good plus-minus turnover differential. So basically, great run defense, decent pass rush, horrible on the back end. (laughs) So hopefully, if we look at some of the trends with Jordan Love in the last four or five games, he'll be able to take advantage of that. Here's the floor on the challenges of Tampa's defense. When you couple good scheme with really good players, that's usually a problem. I think Todd does a great job, and they do a great job of deploying a lot of different pressure looks. They want to get pressure on the quarterback, uh, and then they've got playmakers at every level of the defense, from the D-line, linebackers, obviously, have been doing it for a long time, and in the back end. And I think they do a great job of attacking the football. All right, so the Packers, uh, their defense, not the greatest against the run game, right, Rowdy? Nope. Never. Second to worst. That's tough. Here's LaFleur on the Buccaneers' ground attack. Do a nice job. Uh, you know, do a bunch of downhill, crunch, whatever you want to call it, duo. And they've been doing that for a long time. I think, you know, it's a gritty group up front. I think, you know, and then they mix in some zone schemes. So I think they do a really good job with the run game. I can, I can just see it now. Packers giving up another 200-yard game. I just had to pull it up because just from my memory – Going through games week after week, I don't. That's just Matt Lafleur being nice. Tampa Bay is not good at running the football. Yeah, I don't think he's ever going to like. Well, here's the thing: they'll probably look good running the football against the Packers. I mean, they're the fourth worst team running the football. They average 90 yards on the ground, so that means they'll probably have 150 against the Packers. Oh, for sure. I mean, the Packers are already giving up uh, four 200 uh, rushing yard games. What's a fifth? Uh, one more from Lafleur. 
Asked like the Buccaneers, like the Packers, lost early and put together some good wins as of late. You see it, you know, no matter who's playing, you you better bring your A game. And you know they had a hard fought win last week versus Atlanta, going down in a two minute situation, and Baker threw to the tight end there and on, on the corner route and made a big time throw to Godwin earlier in that drive. And so it was a, a pretty resilient win, and they made a lot of plays on both sides of the ball. Yeah, to start the season, I mean, the Buccaneers were taking on water. Uh, let's see here. As LaFleur said, they beat the Falcons. Before that, they beat the Panthers. They did lose to the Colts. They lost to the Niners. They beat the Titans. Lost to the Texans. Lost to the Bills. Lost to the Falcons previous. Lost to, lost to the Lions. Beat the Saints. Eagles beat them. Uh, they beat the Bears. Beat the Vikings. And that's your uh, that's your Panthers schedule going from uh, what just happened to the start of the season. Yeah, Tampa Bay, I mean... They played better when Baker Mayfield was healthier. Yeah. They also beat bad teams, lost to good teams. Like that's that's my basic summary. They beat the crappy teams. They got beat by better teams or I guess competitive teams. And they've played worse when Baker's not healthy. Yeah, I mean, yeah and he's sense. bad when he's not healthy. Yeah, yeah. And he's average when he's healthy. <laughs> So what's what's the spread on this game? Do you know of the type of your head? Uh, Packers by three and a half. Packers by three and a half. All right. So there you go. There's a little. Uh, Basically, they're saying Green Bay is about a point and a half better than Tampa Bay on a neutral. Yeah. Well, hopefully there's no extra points missed. People or two or or two or a field goal missed. Uh, people want to get up on Anders Carlson. Anders. I'm pretty good though. Uh, he actually met with the media too. Maybe we'll hear from him coming up here. Is it Anders? Or Anders. Because I know two people that have the name spelled the exact same, both coming from Scandinavian heritage, and one is Anders and one is Anders. You tell me. Well, I guess he should tell us. Maybe we'll hear from Anders or Anders next. (laughs) Hey, uh, question for you. We'll get Mike Clemens on it. Clemens, clear up the the name controversy here. Anders or Anders? I'm going to go with Anders. Anders. I, I feel like Anders is more of the Scandinavian. Who's the guy where in Anders? Might be more of the American spin. Who's the guy in Workaholics? John Heyman, MLB insider. Interesting little tidbit right here. This really quick here, Rowdy. Here's John Heyman yesterday, last night. Take a listen to this. Obviously, the Jays. Now that they didn't get Otani, uh, they didn't get Soto. They want a left-handed bat. I've heard they're even kicking around Yelich. Well, it's got a full no trade with Milwaukee, but they love a left-handed hitting outfielder. So I think that Toronto will be in there big for Bellinger. Those are the two most likely teams at this point. Yelly and or Belly for the Blue Jays. Now, oh, my, my, my. Obviously, Cody Bellinger would be the easy one. He's a free agent. Yeah, They can just go and sign him. Clearly, they would have to trade for Christian Yelich, and he mentioned in there how he has a no-trade clause. My, 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 my. Now, I actually saw people talking about Cody Bellinger back to the Cubs because if you remember, the Cubs were in on Shohei. They were in on uh, Soto, same as, as Toronto. Obviously, they struck out on both of them, but they were looking at how this Cubs team is configured right now in the outfield with the fact that they owe some of these guys that are pretty good players a lot of money and a lot of money in the future. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They were saying how they still could be interested in Bellinger, but maybe at first base, because remember when he first came up, he was a first baseman for the Dodgers, but he was so athletic and so good defensively. Like, dude, we got to put this guy in the outfield. They don't know if they want to put that type of bat at first base. So that would have been interesting. Me personally, if I was a Cubs fan, I wouldn't care. Sure. 
but do the Brewers start the fire sale now? Do Blue Jays acquire Christian Yelich? Our guy True Advisor on Twitch says, trade Yelich, trade Yelich. And then he says, Bellinger goes to the Yankees. Trade Yelly. The, hey, they I'm said in. everyone's in. Everyone's I'm up. In. How old is Christian Yelich off the top of your head? 30. He's older. 32. I think, I think this year is going to be his 32-year-old season. He's coming off of his best year since 2019 he when is. he fouled that ball. 32 years old? When he fouled that ball off his kneecap, he clearly has not been the same player since. And you got one, which should have been an all. I'm sticking up for Yelich here. Should have been an all star <laughs> last year. He was robbed. Should have been an all star, but at you know we'll just call it what it is, fringe all star. Sure. You got value back. Do you really want to pay him nearly? what is it, 26-plus million dollars the next six years for a guy that, as he gets older and older... You don't get better when you get that old. Exactly. Unload him now if there's an opportunity. They keep throwing these smoke screens up that they're not going to move Corbin Burns. They're not going to move the Adamas. We already got a full outfield. Yeah, yeah, with Cheerio now getting inked up. So, listen, I'm for it. I am, too. Where do I sign on the dotted line? Uh, King Kinger says Yelich is the heart and soul of the Brewers. No, don't trade him. Don't do it. Who is who is the heart and soul no, of the Brewers? No, no, Yelich he's not. Christian Yelich is a very quiet person. He can barely talk to the media. He's like very Willie, Willie Adamas was the heart of that team. But what? you know what? When you start trading all these guys, you put on a fire sale. You bring up all these guys that were big time prospects that the heart out. yeah that were stars down in the minor leagues. We're gonna find a new heart. Of the team. Cheerio. Maybe. With that with that payday, I don't know how you oh. how you keep him off the opening day roster. The new guy they just got, Joe Ross. Or was it? Was oh, he's his, a pitcher. What was his name again? Joe, yeah, Joe, Joe Ross. Yeah, Joe Ross. <laughs> he's a pitcher. <laughs> I can't remember his first name. Uh, no, let's see here. Uh, like the Packers. This is what True Advisor says. This team is brand new and let them grow together. Like the Packers, young, growing together. Well, look at your outfield. Christian Yelich, if they don't move him, he's going to be there for six years collecting a hefty paycheck. Hefty, hefty, hefty. Jackson Cheerio, 20 years old, still making a lot of money for the Brewers at a very young age and unproven. Then you have Garrett Mitchell, who was in a small sample size of about half a season in the big leagues between two years. Pretty good player. Sal Freelich getting to the big leagues a year early. Played decently well for not really being ready. You still have Weimer. I mean, clearly we know that Weimer can be a very good defensive outfielder at a minimum. We'll see what the bat can do in in a second year or a full year at AAA. Tyrone Taylor is still there. That's an average defensive outfielder with a guy that can get streaky hot. Not saying that he's a big time starter in this league, but just in general, if you're going to play Cheerio, Mitchell, and Freelick, there's no room for Yelich. And, and Tyrone Taylor is a quality fourth outfielder. And Joey Weimer, if you're looking defensively, is a quality fourth outfielder when it comes to defense, arm, and speed. How'd you like to be the Blue Jays right now, Rowdy? You thought you had Shohei Otani. Maybe you were in on the Juan Soto. And now you're like, man, do I go for Christian Yelich? One of these is not like the, the other. Well, clearly it was a drop off. The you pecking went, order. You went from <laughs> Shohei, who's going to give you an all star caliber pitcher and hitter, to an all star caliber hitter in Juan Soto, to a all star slash fringe all star in Yelich. Blue Jays fans just punching the air right now, just going through it. And as Brewers fans, some of us like, 
Yeah, do do it. Yeah, screw Canada. <laughs> Blame Canada. Screw them. Uh, so there you go, Christian Yelich, uh, John Heyman, linking him to the Blue Jays potentially. If so they move no... to Christian Yelich, clearly you're going to get something back. It's not going to be the same type of package that you get for a a Burns or a Damas because no. they're paying him a ton of money and he is getting older. But you're getting something back, and there's probably going to be at least one nice piece in there. But then Mark Ananasio can't complain about this payroll. Your highest paid guy is a 20-year-old kid that's never played before. Which is like, scary in his own right, right, for this Brewers team. But, hey. By the way, who's you know how we talked about Wade Miley and how he took that team-friendly deal? Yeah, because up Could have picked up that option at $10 million and said, ah, give me another cool 10 for a year. Instead, he basically made it up to two years for like a little over 11 million. And that first initial year would be like nine ish. If he reaches incentives, there was another pitcher that was on par with Wade Miley that I saw signed the other day for 15 million (laughs) for one year. I can't remember who it was, but I just remember going, damn Wade Miley really listened to his son. Yeah. Wade Miley said, what was his son's name again? Jeb. Uh, Yeah. Jeb, his son, Seriously, wanted to stay with the, the Brewers. If he, cheap. if he was open to moving to anywhere in the U.S. or, I guess, Canada, he would have made at least $15 million per year. Yeah, but Jeb, his son, wanted to stay in Milwaukee. It was the final say. I guarantee you, Mark Ananasio is in Jeb's ear. He's like, hey, it's Uncle Mark. Tell your dad to stay in Milwaukee. We'll we'll do a nice little team friendly deal. Yeah, he probably got an extra present from Uncle Mark. Hey, Uncle Mark's here. You tell your you tell your dad, stay in Milwaukee. Stay in Milwaukee. <laughs> Jeb's like, okay, I'll make it so. I love Wade Miley. That's nice. I like it. I just like all the people uh, throwing the future Brewers lineups and and rotations for next season up on Twitter already. They're like, oh, look at this projected lineup and and this projected rotation. The Brewers can still be pretty good. It's like, yeah, that's true. They they would be a playoff contender if that roster actually is intact by the time first opening pitch is, is ready to go, you know, opening day in late March. But you, you, you can't be serious about Burns being on this roster or Adamus being on this roster. What about Freddie Peralta? Freddie Peralta is a question mark. Devin Williams is a question mark. Just depends how much they end up selling and, yeah. and how good they think they're going to be. But it was funny because I was actually sitting around a table with some guys. I think it was a couple of weekends ago at this point. Drinking? No. Sober. And Brewer baseball got brought up and we were talking about it. And then one of the guys says, Hey, did you see that they have X golf in there now? And Paige oh. Sporanic was there. Oh, 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 buddy. We know my comment was, yeah, because a fire sales coming and they're trying to make up for bad baseball. Yeah. And that's why they, why do you think they got Paige Sporanic night too? But I'm, I'm good. The park. I'm see good with them selling and being bad because there's a direction. There's a, there's a base in which to build on. Yeah. It's not just being bad to be bad. Like the A's, the A's have no future. Well, their future's in Las Vegas. And it's still, <laughs> and they're coming up snake eyes. Yeah, definitely. Uh, line one, good morning. Who do we got? Hey, boys, Kyle. Hey, Kyle, what's up, man? How are we living? Hey, good, man. I just wanted to say, you know, I wish there was more guys in the in major league sports like Wade Miley. You know, listen to your kid. It's a, you know, be a, a true family, family man. man. Craig Council, take notes. Yeah, you know, you, you make. Ten million dollars—that's a lot of money. Yep. And this Sheho Otani, however you say his name, his deal makes me sick. <laughs> here we are struggling to freaking buy a gallon of milk out here as common folk, 
And this guy's going to make more money than he's ever going to know what to do with to play a kid's game. It just makes me sick. I mean, good for him. Get your money while you can. But, <laughs> man. Hey, blame, how do you, how blame do you... the conglomerate of venture capitalists and all the owners of the Dodgers. Kyle, if you look at his contract, so he's going to make $700 million when it's all said and done. You talk about his you know, salary already made. And then you look at two years ago, he made $40 million in endorsements. Last year, he made $50 million in endorsements. And probably you could say that that's going to slightly go up. At least it should until, you know, he hits his mid-prime and then there's still going to be a decline. But he's 29 years old, so he probably has about six really good years of those full big-time endorsements. He might walk away and money made through endorsements and baseball contracts being a billionaire. Kyle, yeah, this, is, this is without endorsements. This is just his contract alone. Shohei Otani makes $2.22 per second. Yeah, that's that's just a slap in the common folks' face, man. Honestly, that's just gross. Get your kid playing and you baseball. You wonder why now. ticket prices are so high. Yeah, the uh, the opening day or the first game, home game for the Dodgers, it's five hundred dollars for one ticket, standing room only. Oh my God! It, well, it's L.A. They got that kind of money out there. Yeah, yeah. Kyle. <laughs> yes. Hey, uh, Wade Miley. Bucky- yes, the man. Bucky by 32 tonight. Ooh. The season's going to get 23 points. Tonight's his night. Love it. Kyle, you the man. See you, buddy. Have a good one. 32. 32. Think, think about if you're a, a family of five. Family of five goes to that Shohei Otani opening day game. You get standing room only tickets for nine innings. $2,500. Or you could probably take that family of five to like Florida for a week for a nice vacation for probably somewhere close to the same. And listen, little Johnny, I ain't going to go see Shoei Otani for $2,500. I'm not going to stand to do it. No.